Blog Talk Radio. Kingway Fox Beard Lock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex that, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that incredibly awesome theme song. That means it's time for Trek Talking, which means Thursday night, which you can call us at 646-668-2433 right now. And you can join us live on the air. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Mercy, which was last week's episode. We also have convention calendar, as usual. We have our Star Trek birthdays, and we have our fan shout-outs. So we have a lot planned for you guys tonight. Before I get too far, though, I want to introduce my Trek experts. We'll start off with David. David is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, David? I'm doing really well. Excellent. Um, getting very uh, rainy over here, apparently. Well, you'll have that this time of year. <laughs> you know, it happens. And also out in Portland, we have the wine guy himself, Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? My friend, I am well. Despite the crazy precipitation, my uh, dilithium crystals are fully charged. And my warp core is ready to go. So ready for an and- exciting evening of conversation. As always. And let's wrap it up with the trifecta from Portland, our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really well, guys. Thanks very much. Looking forward to tonight's show. It's going to be fun as always. And moving away from the Portland area, but not too, too, too far, we want to head over to Las Vegas where Charles is hanging out. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. Eh, I wouldn't say rainy. I'd say here just windy and warm. Windy Can't get rid and warm. of this wind right now. Well, up, you know, up here in Vermont, we have windy and cold, just the opposite. So you get what you get, I guess. So, guys, we have a lot of fun we're going to talk about tonight, so you definitely want to stay tuned. But before we dive in to anything, you might have noticed in our theme song, the, what's the, who's the first captain that's mentioned in our theme song, Eric? Janeway. Janeway. And and how do you know that, Eric, that that's the first captain named in our theme song? Well, because I sung the song, but uh, it also also is just a great way to start that tune, man, because you're like, who who do you want to start at the top of the list? And, man, Janeway is a great place to start. That's right. It's It's a great place to start. And speaking of starting with Janeway, we have with us right now, we have Mary Beth from the Janeway Collective. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Mary? I am doing fine. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us here 
on Trek Talking. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what is the Janeway Collective? Well, the Janeway Collective, uh, well, let me start at the beginning. Uh, when uh, my husband and I were on a cruise, the Star Trek cruise, in 2019, I introduced myself as being from Bloomington, Indiana, future home of Captain Catherine Janeway. And the lady I was speaking with said, but do you have a statue there for her like they do for Captain Kirk in Iowa? Well, no, but we should have. And my husband and, and I got to chatting with this lady, and she, we talked about all the reasons that Captain Janeway should have a statue, the fact that she inspired so many young people into STEM and leadership roles, young, roles, young ladies in particular. And uh, when we got back, uh, we talked with the city council and talked with the city some, and uh, we were able to uh, get them on board, but they said that we had to do the work. So I started a Facebook group, and unbeknownst to us, at the same time, there was a group on Reddit that was thinking about doing the same thing and talking about doing the same thing. And they joined with us, and we formed the Janeway Collective. And uh, then we uh, started, we had to get, the statue was totally crowdfunded. Uh, We did crowdfunding campaign on patronicity and raised uh, the money. And the city gave us a wonderful spot on the Beeline Trail right beside Wonder Lab, which is a children's science museum here in Bloomington. The Beeline Trail is a bike walking path through town. And uh, we got CBS to give us permission to do this because they're very particular about such things. And uh, we were able to build our statue. And we unveiled that on October 24th, 2020. And what what did, was Kate Mulgrew involved in this at all? And what, what did she think about it? Well, Kate Mulgrew actually had to approve the... Uh, the original sculpt, uh, our, our artist uh, did, did the original sculpt. The statue itself, it's a, a bust that was sculpted, and it is in bronze. It is This original sculpt was done by Aaron Eddy, and it was cast at some serious uh, bronze works here in Indiana. And it sits on a pedestal and a base that are, were cut from local limestone. <clears throat> local Indiana limestone, and it has a uh, steel plaque on the front with uh, her basic information on it. So, uh, yeah, and Kate Mulgrew actually had to be involved in approving the initial sculpt. She's very particular about how her how she is represented, and uh, photos of the actual sculpt had to go to her, to her for approval before we were able to actually pour the bronze. And she also was nice enough to show up virtually because given it was the time of COVID, she uh, obviously could not come in person, but she showed up virtually for the unveiling of the statue, and she absolutely loved it. And what's nice about this particular statue, though, is the Captain Kirk statue in Iowa is not a sculpt of Captain Kirk, whereas yours actually is Captain Janeway. 
Yes, ours is actually Captain Janeway and looks a whole lot like her. Uh, our website is um, uh, Janeway Collective is our website. Uh, JanewayCollective.com is where you can go uh, on the website. And we have a Facebook page as well. And, uh, yes, uh, we, we love our captain. And uh, kind of made Bloomington a place to stop for Star Trek plans. We had a lot of traffic before and after Chicago. Especially. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great. Eric, did you have any questions that you wanted to ask about the Janeway collection, Collective from Mary Beth? Well, I mean, the statue is obviously amazing. I really, like I was saying before the show here, I can't wait to see it in person. It looks like it's got some amazing texture on it and that sort of stuff that you can't really take in until you're you're there standing looking at it. But I wanted to ask you about one more little thing we uh, I saw on your website Um one of our favorite artists, because we are all into the Star Trek comics as well, uh, of course, is J.K. Woodward. And it looks like you ended up with a piece of his artwork um, for sale on your yeah. website. I'm wondering uh, yeah. how you got connected with him. Uh, well, we met J.K. on My husband and I met J.K. on the cruise. And he was nice enough uh, when we approached him to uh, do this piece of artwork for us, which is uh, – the ship Voyager flying over the Monroe County Courthouse in downtown mm-hmm. Bloomington. Okay. And cool. that is really, that's a wonderful likeness of our beautiful courthouse. And uh, he uh, did that wonderful piece of artwork for us, and we use that as part of our fundraiser. Uh, and we still have a few of those prints available, actually. And we also have some merchandise on our uh, uh we have a, a shop, the Jane Collective has a uh, print-on-demand shop, and you can get that uh, image on uh, T-shirts and sweatshirts and lots of other things as well. And, uh, yeah, J.K. did that for the collective for us. Very much appreciate that. He was quite a help that way. It's a great picture, and it has absolutely his signature style to it. So I uh, just wanted to ask you about that. So thanks very much. Charles, did you want to ask, uh, ask Mary Beth anything? Oh, nothing really comes to mind. I do wish that our friend Shannon could have made it because she gave us some great pictures the day of the release. She actually got to go down, got, go over and actually see the statue the day, the day of the weekend it was released, unveiled is the term. Yeah. But I just want to do a nice little throw out to – how I ran into Mary because one of my friends just sit there and said, oh, sent me an invite said, you should join this group called the Star Trek family. And I said, okay. And a few days kind of looked through what was going on with it. And a lot of people were throwing out, hi, I'm so-and-so and doing greetings. And I thought, okay, I'll do my traditional Vulcan style greeting in there. And got a lot of comments, and Mary's like, you're on a podcast? I said, yes. Like, can I come on? I said, sure. Sent the information off to Uncle Jim, and here we go. Absolutely. It's easy to get guests guests on this show, and we just love having guests of all kinds over. Well, I appreciate you having me on. But, yeah. Yeah, we – we we go ahead. 
we we love having we we really like having fans and fan groups on the podcast, fan films, Star Trek fan films, and anything that fans are doing because we're fans foremost ourselves. So we like to help other fans get their passion recognized. So that's when Charles had sent me that information, I reached out to you immediately to see if if you were still interested in when we could schedule. And here you are. So that was quick and easy. (laughs) Well, I I like to talk about the statue and we, we are still continuing to raise funds through our shop and other events and stuff like that. Uh, We have an ongoing mission and uh, we've got a few goals with the ongoing mission, and that is to promote STEM, STEM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math education, and to embody the equity and humanitarian values promoted by Star Trek, and to also, and comes down to the basics of providing maintenance for the statue for generations to come. So she'll be there for generations to come to inspire a whole new generation that's watching Prodigy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) We started this before we even knew Prodigy was going to be a thing. So so we were so excited when we heard about Prodigy. It's like a whole new generation for our statue. Yeah. That's right. Oh, so are we. So are we. We're we're Prodigy fans also. Marybeth, what's your personal oh, yeah. connection to Star Trek? Were you have you been a fan like since back in the day, or uh, are uh, my, you just from the my right father, town? <laughs> yeah, my father always watched it. Uh, uh-huh. My my father loved it, uh, and it was one of the shows I watched with him. And, and of course, growing up, it was like, and then there came Next Generation and and all the others, and I enjoyed the shows. And then uh, we heard about this thing called the Star Trek Cruise. And it's like, oh, well, we like the cruise, and we like Star Trek. So, okay, let's go on the cruise. And mm-hmm. and we did that, and we fell in love with the cruise and the people on it. It's quite a little family on board the ship. Uh, the same people tend to go every year. Uh, the ship was like over 60% booked for the next year before we got off the cruise this past cruise. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you get really immersed in it when you're on the cruise. And uh, I also, when I go on the cruise, I take a, uh, I have a little bear. It's a Spock bear. And (laughs) my husband got it for me out at um, uh, the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. And I take him on the cruise with me. And he dresses up in costumes because they have different costume nights. And I take his photo with uh, all the all my fellow fans that are on the cruise that are dressed up. And even if you're not dressed up, you can still take a picture with Spock Bear. And he also gets his photo with uh, some of the uh, stars. He's had his photo taken with George Takei and Denise Cosby and uh, John Billingsley and mm-hmm. just a whole, you know, Everybody, <laughs> Don so Lancey cool. and Jonathan Frakes, and yeah, he's got his own Facebook page called Spock Bear Goes Cruising. So, I love it. I'm searching for that right now. <laughs> I love it. Hey, yeah. Paul, did, did you have cruising. a question that you wanted to uh, ask Mary Beth before we ask all the good ones? 
<laughs> oh, sure. Well, Mary Beth, I have to just say uh, again, the statue looks fantastic. I mean, it is really striking, and it's just it's a it's a, a spot on likeness of her. I mean, she must have just been thrilled. Uh, if folks oh, listening, if you if you haven't jumped online yet and found a picture of the statue, go now because it really is tremendous it's it's uh you know it's it's a labor of love and uh it's i always stuff like this i like to think about okay what if like you know future archaeologists five thousand years from now find this thing be <laughs> <laughs> like fictional <laughs> character they have no idea right and, and you'll you'll be responsible for their thinking that okay there was this captain and she did stuff and wow that's great what a strange culture they had that and uh yeah. but my question is well, have, is have you heard much uh, or been contacted ever uh, from young people? I think of like young kids, girls in elementary school who are seeing that statue and inspired to become explorers or become uh, immersed in careers in science because maybe they had never thought that was a place that they could be before. But now you've shown them that uh, that actually well, that's that's for them. Any, any, do you ever get any of that kind of uh, response or think about that? Not, not, not so much yet, but we're working on that. Like I said, that's part of our outreach and our ongoing mission is to inspire uh, and promote uh, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. We, we're, we're out to do that. And uh, I know a lot of young ladies were inspired by Captain Janeway, and that's part of the reason we were able to build that statue. Yes, well, we inspired I'm, so many women, especially I'm, into... I'm betting there's a lot of young girls who've seen that statue, and then they're going home to their science and astronomy books. And I think you've played a huge part in uh, making that happen. So very exciting. And I'm pretty yes, sure there's going to be a, a, a whole slew of new Janeway uh, figures available uh, because of Prodigy this coming fall. Oh, so, I'm uh, sure there will. <laughs> I, I think you're going to see an uptick of... Uh, of Folks, coming to pay homage here. So I, I very, believe very cool. we will indeed. Yes, I believe we will, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, kudos and to you. I you had a dream see. and a vision, and you made it a reality. And I'm, I think you really uh, raised the bar for other folks who would like to do uh, similar uh, tributes to uh, the inspiration of Star Trek. So good for you, my friend. Uh, this is a, a well, wonderful I understand they're working on a statue of Captain Sisko down in New Orleans. Ooh, oh, very cool. Oh, yeah. With hair or without hair? That's my first question. Or beard uh, or no beard? Probably right? without yeah. hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we we had to do the we had to do the hair down. No bun. Bun was not allowed. She, yeah. Okay. Audrey I, would I, not allow that. Was, that was a Mulder request. And wasn't there something also that was about a Mulder request? And we were going to do it that way anyway. The yeah. arms folded with the way it is. The, just with her that pose, with just that you know, okay, just matter great. of fact, arms folded. That's dynamite. <laughs> I mean, that's got so much character, and it just well, really it, it catches your attention. We would have done that. We would have loved to have done the hands on the hips, but when it comes to statue things. Sticking out like that can be kind of dangerous because hang on them and yeah, tough trouble, pigeons so. are nesting in the crook of your arm. Nobody, it's, it's yeah, just totally yeah. wrong. So Can't have I'm with that. you. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, it's it's a wonderful thing. And uh, next time my travels take me to Bloomington, I'll be there to to uh, pay respect as well. But a tremendous yeah. job, really, really something. 
it turned out really well, and we were really happy with her. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. It does look spectacular. Yeah, and and Mary Beth, we are live every Thursday night right here, same bat time, same bat channel. And on Thursday nights, we always talk about the the newest Star Trek. Like right now we're doing Picard, then we're going to shift into Strange New Worlds, then we're going to shift it back into Prodigy, then we're going to do Lower Decks, then Discovery will swing back around, then we'll do Picard Season 3. And we always stay with whatever's current. But on Monday night, we do our cadet training, which is our retro Star Trek show, where we pick an episode from Star Trek of old, and we talk about it. So we actually do two live shows a week, one on Thursday and one on Monday. So if you're ever in the mood to just hang out and Trek talk, we're always here for you. I may definitely do that sometime. It sounds like a lot of fun. So thank you very much for taking some time out of your schedule to chat with us and fill us in on the Janeway Collective. We really appreciate it. And you guys did a fantastic job. All right. Thank you. We're very proud of our statue. Without it, a doubt. It's really great. And thank you very much. And have a great night. Effort. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night. All right, guys. That was Mary Beth from the Janeway Collective. We're going to take a quick break right now, but don't worry. We'll be right back. We have our fan shout-outs. We have our birthdays. We have some really cool Star Trek news. And, of course, we have to talk about Star Trek Picard. Mercy, don't touch that dial. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30. All hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and I hope you didn't touch that dial, because touching that dial would be bad. You might lose us. We might not come back. So don't touch that dial. That's a bad thing. (laughs) It's so funny funny because I feel like in another generation, people are not going to get that reference at all. (laughs) What is this dial you speak of? What is dial? What is this dial? What do you mean flipping channels? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a flip. Is it dial soap? Oh, boy. So, anyways, guys, we just talked to Mary Beth about the Janeway Collective. You can head over to their Facebook page and check it out and uh, and help out if you'd like to as well. That would be really great. So, now, you can head over to our Facebook page at Truck Talking and Beyond. You have to spell that all out, and you'll see the Mr. Spock's Live Long and Prosper. Go there and tell us where you're listening from. And every week, I pick 15 lucky listeners. Well, 18 now. And if you see a heart next to your name, that means you've been chosen by yours truly, Uncle Jim. And your name is going to be read out on a future fan shout out. So, Eric, why don't you start us out with our fan shout outs? Well, our very first fan shout out this week goes out to top fan Martin Lammers from Zoest, Germany, who sends us a nice little live long and prosper icon. So, Thank you very much for listening to us, Martin. And uh, I definitely am planning on getting to Germany sometime in the next five years. It's on the, like, travel plan. So who knows? Maybe I'll swing by your neighborhood. We'll see. Uh, Daisy Rivera Estrada, we're also saying hello to you from Puerto Rico. Oh, man, that's cool. That's another place that I've never been that I'd love to go sometime. 
Uh, have a lot of friends from there, but never been to that area. So it sounds really cool. Uh, live long and prosper to you, Daisy. We're also saying hello this week to Ramona Stein, who's in Sachsen, Germany. Ramona, thank you for listening. And Kelly Carjola from Vancouver, Washington, near Portland, Oregon. Are you kidding me? You're just right across the river from uh, now apparently three-fifths of the cast. So there you go, man. Come over, have a party. Let's let's get another one over here. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for listening to us. And Charles, who's on your list this week? Let's start off with James Stocking in Southern Idaho. Darren Ferguson from San Diego, California. Live long and prosper. Top fan, Roberta Mullet. From Arizona. Okay, what part of Arizona? The big states. Ariel Wyckoff, currently in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, I've had to spend time in Arlington. Paul, who do you have on your list? We've got some tremendous people here this week. Shout out to Elaine Clore, originally from Brazil but for 40 years has been hanging out in Greenville, South Carolina, and loves Star Trek. No question about it from what I'm seeing here. Thank you, Elaine, for listening to us. Farrell Rain from Tucson, Arizona, a little more specific part of the state there, my friend. Excellent, excellent, beautiful, sunny Tucson. Shout out to Stephanie Arnholz in Hamburg, Germany. We have all kinds of folks from Germany this week. This is fantastic. Excellent stuff. And finally, a big Trek talk and how do you do to Martin Hilje in Almere, the Netherlands. Thank you so much for tuning in, whatever time it may be over there. We love hearing from you. And back to you, Uncle Jim. Who you got on your uh, hailing frequencies there? Well, unfortunately, I don't have anybody from Germany, and I don't have anybody from New York. Uh, well, I do have somebody. I know. Tell me Dude. about it. Dude. Just, I know. But I do have somebody from New England, so that's pretty cool. So uh, we want to start out by saying thank you to listening to Robert Leeham, who says, I spend my time between the Philippines and Oman. Love anything connected to Star Trek, and so do we. We'd also like to say thank you to listening to Peter Kroenig from Martha's Vineyard Island in Massachusetts. So that's kind of that's kind of the New England area, not where I am, but close, very, very close. We'd also like to say thank you to Par Jack from Montreal, Canada. Uh, GM Chris's neck of the woods, perhaps? Well, Maybe? not really, but same province. Yeah. <laughs> Close. And uh, last but definitely not least, we want to say thank you to Johnson Lee from Manila in the Philippines for listening. We really appreciate it. Each and every one of you guys, thank you for your support. If you would like to hear your name mentioned on the future fan shout out, head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out once again and tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart next to your name and then tune in to hear your name on the podcast. Hey, but listen, we're not done. We still got a lot of great stuff coming up. It's definitely Star Trek birthdays. That'll be our next thing. And uh, our Star Trek news and Star Trek Picard mercy. So uh, run to the microwave, get those chicken wings, run to the bathroom real quick, and hurry on back. I have faith that you'll call. 
It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith that you call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is sound out You can reach us right now We've got faith We've got faith Faith that you call And we're back. And I got to say, Eric, they should have had you do the theme song for the for Enterprise. Your well, sounds just a little bit better, different than their version. It's, but, I uh, am 100% available for seasons four and five. So uh, let's get that puppy crowdfunded. <laughs> Absolutely. So listen, guys, we're going to do our Star Trek birthdays. But before we do that, we got to do this. That was not a Klingon song. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, our first remembrance this week goes out to actress Jill Ireland, who, of course, played Leela Coloni in TOS's episode This Side of Paradise. She's the, uh, the botanist who was madly in love with Spock, unrequited until Spock gets blasted with the uh, spores, and then, uh, and then they have a good time together. Uh, interestingly enough, Jill Ireland was actually married to Charles Bronson, uh, and they were both in the movie The Great Escape together. So happy birthday to Jill, who would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Charles Seal, who was Ed the bartender in TOS's episode Spectre of the Gun. Uh, did you know that he's one of only 14 Star Trek guest stars born in the 19th century? It's true. He also played Mr. Crakey on Dennis the Menace back in the day. So Charles Seal would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Bonnie Jean Beecher. Uh, she uh, was, of course, Sylvia in the same episode, T.O.S. Spectre of the Gun, uh, one of the women in the brothel there. Uh, and uh, she, interesting fact about her, she was actually once uh, the girlfriend of Bob Dylan and there is some speculation about whether or not she is the girl from North Country. Um, so there you go. Uh, uh, Victoria, uh, excuse me, uh, Bonnie Beecher would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Vic Perrin, good old Vic Perrin. He played Tharn in TOS's episode Mirror Mirror. Uh, and, you know, he's the guy who wouldn't, uh, who was against mining of the dilithium on his planet both in the Prime Universe and in the Mirror Universe. Um, and Vic is just a super famous actor, really actually a super famous voice actor mostly. Um, he, did a, he appeared in over 40 movies and television series. Um, 
He actually was the voice of Metron in Arena. He actually was the voice of Nomad in The Changeling also. Uh, so super famous va- uh, voice actor. I think you guys were talking about Johnny Quest a couple weeks ago. Um, he was uh, in Johnny Quest as the voice of evil Dr. Zinn. Uh, so Vic Perrin, uh, quite the range of, of talents that man had, uh, and he would have had a birthday this week. So happy birthday to Vic. We're also saying happy birthday to Madge Sinclair. Uh, she got to play two roles in Star Trek. She played uh, captain of the USS Saratoga in Star Trek IV. And then later, she got to play Geordi's mom, Captain Silva LaForge, in TNG's episode Interface. Um, and she is just, I mean, she's awesome. She's an Emmy award-winning actress, um, you know, was known for Trapper John MD back in the day, uh, diagnosed with leukemia in the early 80s, and actually lived and kept performing for another five years and got married during that time. So uh, Madge Sinclair, just a, a really special talent, would have had a birthday this week as well. We're also saying happy birthday to actor K.E. Cooter, uh, who played a couple of roles in Star Trek. Uh, he was the Cytherian in TNG's episode, The Nth Degree. You'll remember that's the, uh, the race that explores the galaxy by bringing you to them <laughs> instead, of, uh, instead of going out themselves. Uh, and he also played the role of Sira in DS9's episode, The Storyteller. Um, but I actually mostly know him from another movie that I love from back in the 80s. He played Endurin in The Last Starfighter. Um, and if you think back to that uh-huh. movie, can you think of another, um, another Star Trek dude that was in that movie? Yes. Uh, the main character's friend was good old uh, Wesley Crusher himself, Will Wheaton. So uh, another little uh, degree of separation there. So K.E. Cooter would have had a birthday this week. And finally, on our remembrance list, we have Richard Arnold, a really uh, important part of Star Trek, um, kind of keeping keeping it on the rails (laughs) back in the Roddenberry days. Uh, Richard Arnold was a Star Trek archivist, and uh, he was in charge of, uh, you know, making sure that things back in motion picture days were all uh, put where they need to be uh, and and kept track of and... um, Later on, he was consulted for numerous things. And then kind of on the side, he was also a fan. So he would appear as an extra, uh, like he was an extra in motion picture. Uh, he was actually an extra in, two, in Star Trek 2009 on board the Narada as a, as a Romulan. Um, so uh, very, very important part of Star Trek uh, lore and, and kind of, like I said, keeping keeping everything uh, organized because there's a lot to remember out there. He was really famous for his memory and just his ability to like remember all the little nitty gritty uh, about Star Trek and always impressed Gene Roddenberry back in the day. So Richard Arnold also would have had a birthday this week. So that is our seven remembrances for folks who have gone before us who would have had birthdays this week. Now, Charles, you get to start the mega list of folks who are still with us that have birthdays this week. And since Eric is such great at pronunciation, you're better at pronouncing our first guest, first person better than I am. It's Manu Intiramani, as far as I know, is how you say okay. something like that. <laughs> Good old yeah, I know you do better than I do on it. <laughs> Ichabod and Void, yep. who we later saw in Picard, but by a different actor. And... 
He also has been one of our guests online and came back for one of our shows. David Burney played the Romulan Senator Latent in DS9's Tears of the Prophets. John Vargas played Jetta in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and played Tao in Voids Concerning Flight. Uh, Melina Clark played Suleban Sarin in Enterprise's Bar- Broken Bow. Emily Bergol played Bethany in Enter- Enterprise's North Star. Lisa Kamari played Lily. Lilius in Boys Rye. And Fred Phillip was a well-known makeup artist back in the TLS and Star Trek motion picture era. Paul, how about your list? Paul? Hello. Did we lose Paul? Oh, sorry. We... Had the... oh, there, oh, there he is. There. Sorry about that, friends. To kick things off, we have Jeffrey Dean Morgan himself, Negan from The Walking Dead. He's famous for playing Damron, a Zindi reptilian, featured on the Enterprise episode Carpenter Street. Crazy heavy makeup appliance job he had to wear, but he still comes across like a house on fire. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, terrific actor. Also, we're celebrating Doran Fine played Molly on the Deep Space Nine episode, Children of Time. Happy birthday to Becky Wallstrom, Vizian Cogenitor from the Enterprise episode, Shock Cogenitor. Oh, coincidence. Paul, have you not, have you seen that one yet? That's another one you got to see. If I have, it's lost in the abyss of foggy memories, my friend. So I'll have to put that that on the revisit list. Yep. All right, cogenitor. I'm going to have a lot of uh, those on my list here after I'm done this next week, I think. Jeffrey Binney, but Compton on the original series, Wink of an Eye. I'm pretty sure that uh, Jeffrey Binney was one of those uh, ubiquitous red shirt folk, if I'm not mistaken. I think I have to do my research on here. Uh, but I'm getting that vibe that <laughs> if you're in Wink of an Eye, a lot of people disappeared in a Wink of an Eye on that. <laughs> so we'll see. Happy birthday to Saad Siddiquil. Played Straw on Discovery's episode Context is for Kings. Love that title. Little tip of the hat. Back to the bard again. Olivia Berkeland, Ensign Maria Gilmore. Voyager episode Equinox, part one and two. And felicitations and greetings to Glenn Morshauer, played Ensign Burke on Next Generation episode Peak Performance. And rounding things out in his festive tweed, his natty bowler hat, his cigar, we have veteran character actor Paul Guilfoyle, known to Discovery fans as the physical Reassuring embodiment of the Guardian of Forever, a.k.a. Carl. Carl is part of that uh, new lingo that uh, folks are starting to come around and embrace, but 
If you have not seen Paul Guilfoyle, you don't recognize that name, I guarantee you you've seen him in like a jillion movies. And when you see that, he's just one of those character actors that he's been on everything. He's been in Air Force One. He's been on CSI for years. He's just been on everything, going all the way back into like the 70s and 60s. Terrific guy. So to all of those folks, a wonderful uh, felicitations of April birthdays, and I'd like to uh, pass my tricorder back over to Jim. Jim? Well, we want to say happy birthday to Vadia Potenza, who played Spock, but at age 13 in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. We also want to say happy birthday to Lisa Wilcox, who played Yuda in TNG's The Vengeance Factor, but I think she's more well-known as Alice in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5. She's the one that kicked Freddie's butt. So happy birthday <laughs> to Lisa Wilcox. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Jack Quaid and Charles. Who is Jack Quaid? Oh, of course. We've got Brad Boimler from Lower Decks. That's right. And if you guys oh. are watching the DC stuff, you also might know him as you from The Boys which Carl Urban is also on, two Star Trek alumni in one show. So happy birthday to Jack Quaid. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Gabriel Salmon, who played Jeremy Astor in TNG's The Bonding. And I always, always save the best for last, the Klingons. Uh, technically, I guess Gabriel would be a Klingon because Worf adopted him into his family. Technically. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, the um, episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Klingon. So he's, he's technically a Klingon. <laughs> but, but, we want to say kapla to Alan Oppenheimer, who played Captain Kehoe in DS9, the Gemma Dar. He didn't fare too well, by the way. Rudy Wells. But yep. He, yep, oh, yeah. he did do well. But he also played Koroth in TNG's The Rightful Heir, an honorable Klingon. And this next one has been on our podcast twice. I, I love her to death. I think she's fabulous. Not only do I think she's fabulous, but I happen to thoroughly enjoy her movie and her character. Uh, we want to say happy birthday to Spice Crosby Williams, who played Vixus in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. We had her on the podcast, and she talked Klingon for us. You guys remember awesome. that? She was, was so just, cool. I mean, she was know. so fun, and she was such a natural at just, like, kind of almost leading the conversation. We just – we hardly even had to talk, and she was just all over the place talking Klingon, and just – yeah, it was so much fun. She was great, and you guys can go in and check out that interview with her. Just go into our archives and scroll back for Spice Williams, and you'll find her. She actually was on Stunt Trucks with myself and the Leslie Hoffman because Leslie – knows her as a stunt woman and they'd worked together before. So Leslie had her on the podcast with me and her. And I was just so blown away by her. I said, you got to come on and talk with the guys about Star Trek five, which she did. And she was awesome. So mm-hmm. happy birthday and kapla to spice Crosby Williams. And like I said, I always save the best for last that finishes up our Klingons, but wait, there's one more on the list. And this is probably the biggest, the best, the most important one of all, because 
without this birthday, we wouldn't be having truck talking right now, believe it or not. Because way back in the day, Uncle Jim, I know you guys are going to find this extremely hard to believe, but I couldn't find co-hosts for this incredible podcast. They would come, they would go, they would disappear. They just, I couldn't find anyone. And uh, I don't know, three, four years. It's been a long time. I don't want to get it wrong, but it's been many, many rotations, let's say, um, for that this co-host has been with me. And he's a cornerstone of this podcast. And it just happens to be his birthday. So happy birthday, Charles. And thank you so much for making Trek Talk and what it is today and for being part of our Star Trek family. Kapla! And happy birthday. And thank with you. that, we have to play our Weird Al happy birthday <laughs> song, which is a special, special song that we only play for a very select few. So this, Charles, goes out to you from Weird Al. Happy birthday, Charles. I hope you have a great day. Oh, so far going pretty good. I got to do truck talking on my birthday. What could be better? Really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so happy birthday, Charles. Well, guys, that wraps up our birthdays. But coming up next, we have convention calendar after we hear this very important message. From GM Chris. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction themed podcast on the internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci fi related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646 668 2433 on Thursday nights from 7 30 to 9 30 p.m. on East Coast time. Hailing frequencies are always open and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith you will call. And welcome back time for our convention, 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 calendar, 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 calendar. Okay, Eric, why don't you get us started off with our convention calendar? Oh, there's some good ones in here, Jim. We're tracking right now Starfest, Denver Starfest, May 13th through the 15th at the Hyatt Regency Denver Tech Center in the beautiful city of Denver, Colorado. We're also going to check out Megacon Orlando, May 19th through the 22nd at the Orange County Convention Center in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And what is this Star War? 
Tre- Wars? I, I, Star Wars? I don't know what that is. That, I don't that's know a weird what is one. That? I, I, I think you've got a I don't get it. Here. Star Wars Celebration. Equity, man. Anaheim. Equity. Everyone <laughs> coexists. <laughs> that's true. No intolerance. I will celebrate the Idic and uh, Thank you. celebrate the Star Wars Celebration Anaheim, May 26th through the 29th at the Anaheim Convention Center in beautiful Anaheim, California. Paul, who you got on your list this week? Oh, I got good ones too, man. All kinds of good stuff. Let this roll off your tongue. Phoenix Fan Fusion 2022. That is some serious. Fusion, 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 fusion. That is some serious alliteration happening at the Phoenix Convention Center in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. So bring your sunblock May 27th to 29th, and it's going to get smoking down there, I have a hunch. This one may be one of the best city con names I've ever heard of. Balticon 2022. It sounds like an evil transformer. Balticon. It does sound like an evil transformer. Listen, Balticon, you're not going to turn into a giant tractor trailer on my watch. But if you do, you'll be in Baltimore, Maryland at the Renaissance Baltimore Harbor Place Hotel where seagulls will do their best to dive bomb you. I know from personal experience, May 27th to May 30th. So you've got to choose. You can either go to Phoenix or you can go to Baltimore because it's the same weekend. Or if you have a transporter, you can go to both. But those are your options. So Balticon has my vote. I think it's a wonderful <laughs> name. And it has the harbor, which you got to love. And this next one here, I just think the name is so cool because it really says a lot, right? Awesome Con 2022. I love totally. Awesome Con. Totally. Pretty sure Kevin Smith's going to be there, or um, Jay and Silent Bob, if not Kevin himself. Uh, this gives you a week to recover from Balticon, and then you cruise on down to Washington, D.C., a bastion of sanity, June 3rd through 5th at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center. So I wonder if Walter E. Washington was last name Washington before he moved to Washington, D.C. What, how did that work out? Mm-hmm. I'm going to move someplace that's got the same last name I do. <laughs> I'm very Sounds confused. Like a setup to me. Yeah, and I feel like my, my Washington, D.C. history, Washingtonians, is a little remiss here. So my apologies, but I can tell you this with great confidence. The first week of June, you're going to have the most awesome con on the entire East Coast. So may you rock and fare thee well. Charles, what you got on your radar screen, baby? Well, let's move on to the Black Hills Con, June 3rd through 5th. Holiday Inn, Rapid Rapid City, Rushmore Plaza, Rapid City, South Dakota. Or you can go to the Hellmouth Convention. June 3rd through 5th at the Hilton Los Angeles Airport. Are you sure that's not in D.C.? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure the mouth of hell is in Los Angeles. My compass needle pointed there for some reason. I don't know why. And I love Los Angeles. Don't get me wrong because I have family there and I've spent a lot of time there. But the the mouth of hell is definitely there. (laughs) Or you can go to the Con Carolinas. June 3rd through 5th also in the Hilton Charlotte University Plaza, Charlotte, North Carolina. Jim, John, what's on your list? And watch out how you pronounce the first one. Oh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeling kind of funky here. I want to go to Funky Town here. 
So we, we, we're following Planet Funk Con. Plan, yeah, Planet Funk Con. Mm-hmm. June 24th through the 25th, or 26th at River Center, Davenport, Iowa. That's Funk, F-U-N-K. Con. Is that the one George Clinton is sponsoring? Is that his convention? I don't know, man. It, when it, I've it, been to Davenport many times, and I don't think of it as that funky, but this sounds really cool. So I think yeah, I, I'm all over really, this one. Really funky. And we're also following Sci-Fi on the Rocks, June 24th through 26th at the Sheraton Hotel, Newfoundland, South John's... Uh, <laughs> South John NL Canada. So check that out. And last but not least on our list, we have Fan Expo Denver, July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at Colorado Convention Center in Denver, Colorado. Before you head out to any of these events, please check with the venue. Make sure the event is still being held. And for any further information on the events, I'm sure if you search them on Facebook or on the web, you can find out who's going to be there and what the price is to attend. Well, guys, that wraps up our convention calendar. Coming up, we have Star Trek news. But first, let's hear from our birthday boy. Hi, this is Sub-Commander Charles from Trek Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and related science fiction content. And we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433, Thursday nights from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Coast Time, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinion. Or you can also find us on Facebook. We have faith that you will call. And we're back. I hope you got your chicken wings out of the microwave. I hope you got your pizza. You went to the bathroom and you didn't touch that dial because we're back and we have Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. And all the stories that we're going to mention in our Trek news can be found in their entirety on our Facebook page rather than the abbreviated version that I put together for us. So, Charles, what do we have for our first story? Well, this is an interesting one. It is a Section 31 Star Trek movie in the works. The idea of a Star Trek Section 31 series has always been a been a bit uh, bit hit or miss with the Trekkies. Sure, seeing more of Mich- Michelle Yeoh is always fantastic. In 2019, Paramount announced a live-action TV series focused on the organization and Yeoh's character of Philippa Giorgio. Since the announcement, we've heard very little. Michelle Yeoh has a packed schedule which explained no movement on the project. <clears throat> However, we recently heard of a development which could change things. Speaking on his podcast, The Shuttle Pod Show, actor Dinami Keating dropped an interesting detail in the series. It now looks like it could be a Section 31 Star Trek movie. Keeling started starred in Star Trek Enterprise as Lieutenant Malcolm Reed. 
it was revealed on Enterprise that Reed was involved with Section 31, a Section 31 organization, before it became what we would see in Discovery Season 2. Keeling stated, I think I heard the grapevine. Yes, it's going to be a film. He made the comment during the conversation with his co-host and co-enterprise star, Connor Trenier. He went on to elaborate that he didn't want to say much, as sources are likely under NDA. However, he added that he believes the show has turned into a movie, and that would seem a lockdown on Michelle Yeoh to shoot the series is going to be hard for Paramount right now. The actress is super busy with tons of projects. Additionally, a movie could also work very well as a pilot. Essentially, the movie is successful, and there's an audience for the show, then they could spin the series out, out of it, which I totally agree. I think right now we could use the occasional Star Trek movie on the big screen, and let's see what kind of crowds we get with Star Trek. And, Great chance and, for uh, some of us to get out there in uniform and show our colors off at the movie theater again. And have people touch my bat list. They love to touch my bat list. I got to say, <laughs> yeah. when Michelle Yeoh kicks <laughs> Captain Lorca in the face and he's standing behind her, oh, my God, that just blows me away every single time. She is an incredible, incredible actress. And I would love to see her in a Star Trek again. So there you have it. Yeah. You know, anytime you mention Michelle Yeoh, I'm going to bring that up. So there you have it. <laughs> that and my bat list. <laughs> well, what do you think about what do you think about this idea of it being a movie? I mean, what does anybody on the show here think about it being a movie versus a series? Uh, any opinions on that? Well, I think as they said in the article, it would be easier to get her for a movie because she's so busy. Where locking her down for a series might not be as easy. Well, sure. That's, let's a, not that's, a, practicality. That, um, that's a practicality thing, but what's the what's the Section 31 story that you want to see? Do you want to see a movie-length one, or do you want to see a season TV show one? I know what my answer well, is, but I'm curious what you guys think. Well, yeah. the beauty of uh, Section 31. It's, Section 31 could pretty much go anywhere or do anything because they're a covert behind the scenes type of a deal. I mean, we saw them on Enterprise with the Klingon uh, variant disease going on with that Malcolm Reed right. was involved in. We, you know, we saw them on but Deep Space Nine. But that's not Space what I'm asking. Nine. What I'm asking is what would you rather see? Like, what's your opinion? What would you rather see? Like, Paul, what would you rather see? Would you rather see a movie no, or a I'm totally, TV series? I would go for a movie, and yeah. here's why, okay? Just simply because so often people get the idea to, to launch something, right? And you got to have, if you're lucky, 40 or 50 episodes worth of content. And I don't know that, that you know, Section 31 is is got that all that kind of content. And there's a couple other contingent reasons too, right? It's, it's, they're more effective in your imagination, as this entity that's kind of working in the shadows doing their thing that every now and then you get a glimpse of, right? Mm -hmm. But all that mystery and intrigue and, and the cloak and dagger stuff kind of evaporates if you actually spend a lot of time with them. And suddenly they're not so mysterious anymore because it's like the office and we all know who these guys are, right? right. And, right. and, you know, my own just departing comment is 
I'm not a big fan of Section 31 because here's why. It's like you like to think that in the future, Star Trek represents a more evolved place in mankind's ethos where we don't need stuff like Section 31 anymore. So the fact that there's still kind of a skunk works organization rooting around doing stuff, eh, it kind of lessens the impact that man's really evolved in that Roddenberry place that we hoped that they would. So a little bit, sure, I can take a movie. But 48 episodes where only five of them are any good, I'll pass. Mm-hmm. Right on. Right that, on. That brings us to you, Eric. You've got our next story. Yeah, I've got a uh, a remembrance story this week. Uh, we are remembering uh, original series guest star Valora Noland, uh, who died uh, just this past March, March 27th. Um, she was uh, also known by her pre-marriage name, uh, Valora Baum. Uh, she plays uh, played Darius in the Star Trek: The Original Series episode. Patterns of Force. Uh, she died at the age of 80, according to an obituary in the Marine Independent Journal. According to the newspaper, the actress, who used the stage name Valora Nolan throughout her short acting career and Valora Tree during her time as a writer, died on March 27th in Sebastopol, California, where she lived for many years. Uh, Darius and Baum's sole episode of Star Trek was an Ecosian female posing as a Nazi party secretary while actually working with the Xeon underground to Fort Deputy Fuhrer Melikon, Skip Homier, uh, and his regime. Uh, Melikon planned to deploy the final decision to eradicate all the Xeons who had populated the planet Ecos. Baum filmed her scenes for Patterns of Force on Thursday, November 30th, 1967, and between Monday, December 4th, 67, and Wednesday, December 6th at Desilu Stage 9 and Stage 10. Baum was born in Seattle uh, on December 8, 1941, the day after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and was named Valor uh, or Valora by her mother, who had just been inspired by Winston Churchill's speech that she listened to on the radio uh, just prior to Valora's birth. According, uh, or excuse me, among acting credits for Baum included a 1961 episode of The Rifleman, followed by uh, Dr. Kildare, Beach Party, Muscle Beach Party, Sex and the College Girl, The Donna Reed Show, The Man from Uncle, Sweet. Uh, the, John, the John Wayne Kirk Douglas film, The War Wagon, and Mannix. Uh, Vincent McEverty, who directed Baum's episode of Mannix, also directed her next acting effort, which was Patterns of Force, her Star Trek episode. Her final credit was the 1970 film Up Your Teddy Bear, which co-starred fellow Star Trek guest stars Julie Newmar and Angelique Pettyjohn. Um, so she and Nolan actually left the acting business entirely uh, after filming Patterns of Force and just got entirely out of film. And, and as the article referenced, she went back and became a photographer and author and changed her, her kind of working name to Valora Tree. So uh, a, uh, an actress lost last month uh, from our Star Trek family. Uh, we are honoring this week with this article. So, Paul, where do you want to take us next with the news? I like what you just read down, man. I love the idea of somebody doing a few things and then, you know, I'm done. And she walks away. And yeah. that's cool. And went off and pursued some other passions. Remind anyone of anyone on uh, Star Trek these days? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I've got an interesting little segment coming up here. It's a snippet of an interview 
with Picard star Allison Pill, where she talks about the rather intoxicating allure of becoming the Borg Queen and shares a little bit about the nerves for her and that big singing number that she did. So the actress who plays the brilliant but very shy and insecure Agnes Gerardi is shifted gears pretty dramatically through the season after a character was overtaken by the Borg Queen. And as Agnes gives in more and more to the badly needed companionship and seduction of power, she's, we start to see her losing herself and jeopardizing the mission and the future as well. Her head is still somewhat swirling from all of it. And Pill gave a, a lot of credit for her pretty masterful performances to the writers and guest directors, such as Leah Thompson and, of course, legendary Star Trek alum Jonathan Frakes. She explained, it was very exciting to get to look at the adaptations that occur in Gerardi over these last few episodes, as well as spending time with Annie, Annie Wershing, who played the Borg Queen, to see what her queen was becoming, because that's who's running the show as of now, the Borg Queen. Agnes has quite low self-esteem, and the queen does not. So I think the imaginary quality of suddenly believing in your own power is, is pretty intoxicating for Agnes, as it would be for many people. But there's a level of ego. I don't know if uh, Borg have egos. <laughs> Borg up! With the, the driving self-force, which seems pretty great, but it comes at the cost of so many, as I think is often the case with self-obsessed leaders. Who are you commenting on, Allison Pill? I wonder there. I have to check out your Twitter. They're so different that they're both equally enjoyable to play. I mean, I love Gerardi so very much, so I think establishing her character more this season, seeing a bit more of what makes her tick, was really exciting. And the kind of opportunities for comedy and for pathos that butt up against each other in the scripts was really a joy. But it's also fun to play an evil genius. And then speaking of the what's been called the grand gal scene, a little bit musical number, uh, Allison was very glad that Jonathan Frakes was directing because he's just a lot of fun to be around. He's generally a joy and very, very funny. And so any nerves I had about doing it were quickly set aside by him and his demeanor and his just his comfort in that world. I was so excited to have the chance to sing and to do this big, crazy number and to walk down the stairs but I was also really grateful to have him in his theater background and his understanding of showmanship to know how far to go and how to manage it. So really nice interview there of how much fun she's been having. I think she's been uh, – she's definitely – everyone I think is pretty quick to admit that she's really done stuff with this character in this season of Picard. And she's making the most of this uh, – in inhabitation that's going on with BQ. So super curious to see how it all sorts out in the next two episodes. Oh my God. But really great to get uh, uh, insight into her process as an actor and hear some kind words uh, for uh, Trek uh, alum director, Jonathan Frakes. What's up next? Well, something that I wasn't planning on, but we have to go there. Speaking of Strange New Worlds, which is going to premiere, uh, what, nine days? Is it nine days? <laughs> wow. So close. It's, oh, it's yeah, a week it's from nine. today, right? Yeah, it's, it's right day. around the corner. You can smell it. You can smell it. And I am so psyched for the show. And they dropped a clip, an exclusive clip. And, of course, 
we have to play it. Now, it's only 37 seconds long, so it's very short, so it won't take up a lot of our time. And since we're, watch, we're not watching it, we're listening to it. Um, I want to preface it by letting you guys know what we're going to see or what you're going to hear. Uh, what you're going to hear is in the original trailer, we see Captain Pike riding his horse across the snow, and we see a shuttle fly overhead. Well, I, I'm assuming it's the same shuttle because it looks the same. Uh, that same design shuttle is now bringing Captain Pike to the now refurbished, rebuilt, and updated Enterprise, because if you guys remember what happened to the Enterprise last time we saw it, it got, got obliterated. Up. It yep. got really messed up. So uh, Enterprise is in dry dock, and we get to see a beautiful scene of the Enterprise in dry dock, very reminiscent of Star Trek, the motion picture. And you guys will notice when, when I play the clip, the music, I just, I love it. It's perfect. And we get a pseudo fly around the Enterprise in the shuttle Stamets and uh, with Captain Pike looking out the window at his new ship. And that sets up the, the trailer that you're about to listen to. So here it is, guys. Give it a listen. This is uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds Clip 1. I, it's, that's what they, they have it entitled. So give it a listen. Enterprise, this is Shuttle Stamets, incoming to transport coordinates. Stamets cleared to transport. All scrubbed up and good as new, sir. Wish it were that easy. Sir? Energize. That's it. <laughs> That's all they gave us. But it's enough. It's enough. Have you guys had a chance? To, David, did you get a chance to, to check out that uh, new clip yet? No. I actually saw it earlier today. But I went to something else to watch, and I was like, okay, I'll watch it later. But then I totally forgot. So then I was like, oh well, okay. But now I'm definitely gonna watch it now. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was it was pretty good. Uh, Eric, did you see it? Yeah, I definitely saw it. And I guess the thing that excites me the most about it, I mean, there's obviously a ton of nostalgia here. You know, the music and everything is just like takes you right back. But the thing that I'm most interested in personally is the psychology of what Pike is going to be like now, you know, and you get a yeah. little flavor, you get a little flavor of it there in that trailer um, where he says, you know, I wish it was that easy. And she's like, what? And he's like, ah, you know, just carry on. Um, so you get, you get, you already feel the weight uh, of the world on Pike here, even in this little 30-second trailer. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they explore that. Yeah, this this is, you know, this is not the same Pike that we fell in love with on Discovery. This Pike has a weight on his shoulders, and he's going to have to deal with it. I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward and, to it. What did you think about it? Paul, did you see it? Did you watch it? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Paul, did Paul see it? Well, I, I might have watched it once or twice. I don't know, so... But no, I think it's it's terrific, and uh, it's you know I we all consume so much media in this group, right? I mean, just so much, and it's just there's so much bad. 
media campaigns that just show too much and do this. And, and I got to give just huge kudos to whoever's running this campaign because they are doing a great job of giving you little morsels of information, stirring up your emotions a little bit, showing you something really cool, but not blowing things out where you're like, have everything spoiled for you, right? They've really balanced it. You just, this is a really short little vignette. I don't even know if it's what, Jim, 30 seconds or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A minute tops. But you just it's you get some dazzle, you get some great visual images, and uh, but in the middle of that, like Eric says, you get a sense that the focus here is going to be on character, and they're going to go through some stuff, and it makes you want to watch. So they're doing a great job of positioning this. Something tells me that they have, if you know the, the little glimmers of. Uh, Anson Mount interviews uh, are any indication that I've seen. It sounds like folks have seen these first few episodes on the cast and they love it. And they're very proud of what they've put together. So I, I, I know it's a, you know, it's always potential to get disappointed. Right. But from what I'm seeing, that potential is downright nil. I think they have something really great here. That's certainly what it looks like to me. I'm super pumped, but it's, I cannot even believe what we're all experiencing over the next week we get tonight and then next week we get the finale of Picard that is so much stuff uh and then we get this new series and I'm sorry you know I love uh, people on both sides of the hemispheres and Star Wars fans have their May the 4th so it's like a it's a, a fan phenomenal fandango of Phoenix fan fury <laughs> keep the alliteration going it's fantastic Paul just wakes up the next week and like us, you know, <laughs> hungover yeah, from too much science fiction. It's it's ferocious feline Federico Fellini. It is completely uh, festooning with uh, fabulous, uh, fantastic blossom uh, oh from the Federation. So this is going to be a great week, man. It's going to be we're going to be completely going to need like a three-hour show next week to even begin to cover this stuff. I'm super pumped. So yeah, but that was a great clip. I'm I'm really excited. And Charles, what about you? Have you had a chance? To, I know it's your birthday and you're, you're busy partying, but did you get a chance to watch the clip? Not yet. I will get a chance to watch. I've been, it's been another busy day at work. But well, I got to tell you, great clip. This, this reminds me a little bit of the pike we read in the book. Enterprise mm-hmm. incident where he says he's a little, he's got a little bit of that unconfidence again. Yep. And it's like, okay, he's not the perfect captain. He showed off well for Discovery. But I think we can get back to the fact that, okay, he's got some weaknesses. Okay, we're not going to sit with a captain that just is perfect. We've got a captain that might have some flaws. And that's, I want a, I want a character with like that that's got flaws. And he needs a little bit of help from others. To get mm-hmm. that confidence. Hey, and the mean from others and to recognize others. And I was gonna say, Charles, that's remember in Q and A when uh, number one and Spock are caught in the elevator, and one of the questions that Spock asks uh, number one is, "What are the three most salient points uh, about Captain Pike?" And I don't remember what the first two were, but the one that stuck out to me was she says something about the fact that he always listens to his crew. He will always take in all points of view, 
and then make a decision based on that. And he's not afraid of the hard decision, but we saw that on Discovery too, right? He would kind of hold these yeah. these meetings. And it's very, I mean, it's very Picard. You know, Picard would do have his ready room thing where he'd bring all the senior staff together. They'd talk about it. But he was often kind of dictating orders. I get the sense that Pike is more like he's not sure what to do. And so he really yeah. wants all the best minds working on the problem at the same time. Well, I, I look forward to... I want to see. I would. One of the things I want to see is I want another. I want to see another discovery style opening of him walking on the bridge crew and saying, "Okay, who is on my crew?" Yeah, that was cool. Introduce yourself. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah. That was so good, and I'd love to see that again. I was like, okay, we want to recognize the crew because we didn't get that in season one, season two. All of a sudden, we started knowing who our character's cast was because he wanted to know who they were. And he spent a little more time focusing on them. And I'd love to see him focus on this new crew, and we get that, where we know who our crew is. And they definitely been wanna, focusing on the different crew members. Mm-hmm. I just want to say... Good, good. I want to add one thing before we, before we move on. I just want to add one, one thing here. They're saying that this is going to be more episodic and it's going to appeal more to um, the older Trekkies out there. But what I've noticed, one thing from all the clips, and and this one in particular that I see, they're doing something which I think is very smart. And one of my biggest complaints about episodic Star Trek is, and I've said it before, Picard gets torn apart by the board, kills a bunch of Starfleet officers. Next week, he's doing something else. And there's really no consistency in the characters between what happens to them before an episode and what happens to them after an episode. And that's always bothered me a little bit about Star Trek. Well, it seems to me like Strange New World is going to carry that through. And the way Pike responds in this clip, even though it's a short one, is just proof that what happened to him on Discovery and knowing how he's going to end up is is a burden on the character and he's going to carry that with him and deal with it as the show goes along. And that I think is what's going to make the show so special is because they are going to deal with the characters and their situations from show to show and not just monster or planet of the week. So that's what I'm looking forward to kind of a melting of old and new star Trek. So there you have it. All right, guys. Well, we have one more quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard Mercy. So don't go away. Um, I'm going to cut to this break with an alternate version of the Star Trek Discovery theme song that you might actually hear in season five. I, I have some inside connections at Paramount+. Plus. And they sent this to me. So you guys haven't heard it anywhere else. You're going to hear it here first right now. And hopefully you like it. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it even more when it's on Discovery Season 5. So here it is, the exclusive Season 5 Star Trek Discovery theme song. Put her in her angel suit, she will never fail to lead her ship on future trips to save the spirit of 
Switcheroo was Starfleet through and through. But I'm sure and true, the crew went all the way that day on a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. Time travel was very rough, and Burnham paid the cost. That day, Saru saved the whole dog crew, but Discovery was lost. Discovery was lost. They splashed the ship right down, you see, in the 32nd century, with Burnham and Mr. Saru. Oh, Wushukun and Edmer, the Emperor, the Doctor and Samison, here on Discovery. Hear my tale of discovery, a crew who's not all fine. They'll have to do the best they can to fit into this new time. Burnham and Captain Saru will do all that they can to take care of their crew, you see, and execute the plan. New races, world relationships, and new technology. Discovery was an ancient ship as primitive as in me. So turn up on each Thursday night right here on your TV. You never know what you will see here on Discovery. And we're back, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that exclusive clip of the Star Trek Discovery Season 5 theme song. Gotta love it. All right, guys, we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard Mercy, which is last week's Star Trek episode. And every week I ask you guys on our Facebook page to score the episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. Now, we've seen a downtick. We saw the first couple of episodes of, of Picard, 10s, close to 10, 9.9, 9.7, 9.6. And then it started creeping down, 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 all the way to a 7. And uh, we'll, we'll see where we are tonight. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Mercy? Well, top fan Sylvias Muserich gave it a 10. John Forbes also gave it a 10. Michael Morris gave it an 8. Richard Landeros, a solid 7. Top fan Kevin <coughs> Joseph said 8.1. Barry Burns gave it a 7. Corey Myers said 8 exclamation point. Sean Samut gave it an 8. Uh, John Murray said 6.5. Sorry, but it was just a bit on the slow side. And Bruce Lee Vines gave it a 6. So that sets us up this week, Jim, for a fan score of 7.9, which is uh, light years ahead of last week's episode, which was a 7.0, uh, but still not quite up in the range of the other ones, which were more like 8.5 to, to 9.5. So, uh, so fans liked this one better than last week, uh, but they didn't love it. No, so, but it's, it's, it's coming back up, though. Well, I mean, I, I, we've got we can have our opinions about it too. Let's talk about that because this is just what the fans have to say. There's a lot to talk about uh, with our experts here. Right. So, uh, a couple of points that I want to make uh, before we 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 dive right into this whole thing is that uh, first of all, Guinan can astral project herself. That was an interesting <laughs> revelation. Um, yeah, man. That yeah. was wild. I I mean, I did not expect that at all. That was that was definitely a little bit of a a Star Wars crossover moment there for me. I was like, wow, she can force project herself. Um, that's pretty cool. 
But, you know, Guinan is a mystery wrapped within an enigma, wrapped within a puzzle. So I kind of feel like they could just sort of pull anything out of their hat with her, and I'm going to pretty much be okay with it. Yeah, we just don't know. So that that was really cool. I also thought it was really cool that the, the Borg Queen can kind of assimilate people by eating car batteries. Well, that was <laughs> well, what they, really... What they said, well, what Seven says was she says, she says she has to eat a bunch of these types of metals because she needs these particular types of metals to make little Borg nanobots inside her body, which then she can use to assimilate people. So, uh, she, And she actually says primitive nanobots, so I'm very interested. I mean, I think we get a little window at the very end of the episode here as to what our new drones are going to look like, and they're not going to... I gotta have hoses all over their faces and weird appendages that you know are in place of limbs and stuff. It's gonna be a a sleeker, more modern uh, Borg drone these days, uh, probably carrying a an American-made rifle. I can't wait to watch tonight's episode. I'm I'm really psyched about it, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, also, the one of the biggest takeaways from this episode is what did Q actually mean when he said. It's, a, it's not the trap. It's the escape that counts. He says that to Guinan. Mm-hmm. Interesting quote. Yeah, I mean, think, I, can, David? yeah, David. What do you think? Oh. Um, about the whole episode, about Q's quote. About Q's quote, about it's not the trap, it's the escape. Hmm. That one, I don't know, to me... I'm wondering if he's talking about a way to save himself because he sounds like he's dying, which he already admitted it. But at the same time, it sounds like the way it escapes is like escaping from his own mortal death that he is apparently facing. Um, that's how I take it, but I don't know exactly what he means. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to watch. We'll have to watch tonight's episode. Maybe they'll explain that to us. We hope. And, uh, you know, the well, last Jim, thing did, I, I wanted Jim, to can think... ask you a quick, quick question as a Pike fan. Did that did that particular quote not give you Pike vibes? Uh, because remember, in the cage, Pike says, there's a way out of any cage and I'll find it. And to me, that was like when Q said something about the trapping immaterial, it's the escape that counts. That to me was a very almost like callback to um, something that Pike would have would have said or thought in the past. Oh, that was cool. And you know what? I forgot something. Wait a second. I know it's kind of late, but I forgot this. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. Oops. Yep, there we go. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm old and senile like Charles. I know it's his birthday, but I'm I'm old and senile. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I was very interested in that because, you know, we don't know what's going on with Q. I mean, he does. Well, he gets upset we know more with now. Guinan. He says he gets upset with Guinan because he makes a comment like, well, you know, I didn't bring him back in time. He did. So it's like Q sent him to this future, you know, this hell future. And then Picard makes the decision to come back in time not Q. And Q points that out to Guinan in that FBI interrogation room, that it wasn't him that did this. It was Picard that did this. 
Well, so, the one one of the things that I wrote down in my notes, the first seeing of it, is I keep hearing us talk about the Q-verse. This is the Q-universe. And my question comes up as, is this the Q-universe? Or is this the Borg universe? Did the Borg create this new time frame and we're trying to free ourselves from the Borg's attempt at changing the future? Because she wants to change the future to outlook something better for her, even though her final outlook looks bad in the future. There's goals she wants to do that can happen if they get to Europa. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. That, the intersecting of those two stories is still, you know, even though we've only got a couple episodes left, Charles, I agree. It's still a little bit confusing because, uh, of course, when we go to the to the Q verse or the Borg verse or whatever we want to call it, uh, when when Q first takes us there. You know, what do we see? We see the Borg Queen from that universe, by the way, being executed uh, or supposed to be executed by Picard, right? So, A, this is a Borg Queen that is not from any sort of, like, Voyager timeline, right? I mean, it's just like a totally different Borg Queen from what we from where we started. Um, and... And I agree. It's we don't we don't know why. Like we we don't know if this is what is it called? It's like a causality paradox or something. The the thing where you you have to do the thing to you know make it happen, which then you go back in time and you and you have to set it up to do it again. You know what I mean? Like a thing that is right. a snake eating its tail. <laughs> that like this story is kind of starting to read a little bit like that. Or the other way to look at it is that this story is starting to read as a really long episode of tapestry, you know, because in TNG's tapestry, Q has already done the trick where he takes Picard to the, the choice not made and shows him what life would have been like. And this season smells a lot like tapestry to me uh, because it seems like this, particularly in this episode, as, as Q's story starts to develop a little bit more, it sure seems like he's trying to, to, maybe teach Picard a lesson uh, or, or get him to, to understand something related to what's going on with Q. There's a ton of stuff, Jim. I don't know if I'll, I hope we get to it talking about Q because there's a, t- a tough, a ton of his like mortality stuff in this one that I think actually works really, really well and plays right into season one of Picard as well. And Picard's exploration of his own mortality. Well, I, what, what do you think? When Q, when Q actually says to Guinan, humanity is stuck in the past, you know, yeah. what, and then she astral projects herself. It must have some to relevance deliver that because message. it causes her yeah. to astral project and deliver that message to Picard. So that message has to have some relevance, and he wouldn't have said it if it didn't. Yeah, I mean, so, there, well, I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot definitely of layers. Definitely well. Go ahead. Definitely well got involved in this situation because of his past. His past projected his future. Yeah, and I think so that, that is one of the main... Get, about dealing, get away with just the past and try looking towards another way of getting to solving the future problem. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's a ton of kind of layers to that 
humanity being this stuck in the past. Um, and I think that's one of the really great things about the writing of Picard, but in particular, this episode, I think the writing was just really kicked up a notch. And of course I looked, I looked back and guess who we had for the first time this season on the docket here as a writer, Kirsten Beyer, uh, who we all know and love from her, her many, many contributions from back in the Voyager days. And then of course she wrote all of those recent comics, uh, the, all the mirror stuff, the Picard countdown stuff, um, basically the guru in terms of, of Picard and the, the writing on that just feels like it's really been, I don't know, kicked up a notch to me. And humanity being stuck in the past, I think, could mean many things. I think it could mean, um, you know, we see uh, examples of regret, people living with regret. You, you look at Rafi and her, the development of her story and how she kind of manipulated Elnor into staying in Starfleet. Um, and, and, you know, as a result, she feels super guilty because now he's gone. So regret is one way that people get stuck in the past. People get stuck in the past with their memories. Um, that is being explored through both Picard, uh, his memories, you know, in, in two weeks ago episode or three weeks ago at this point, the Monsters episode. And then also the way that plays into what Charles was just talking about, which was Wells' childhood and his kind of, um, you know, well, we'll talk about that more in a little bit, his memories specifically. Uh, people can get stuck in the past, um, like Picard's hubris sticks him in the past, right? He still has this idea that he can solve any problem. There's a problem. I'm going to, what am I going to do to solve it? I'm going to time travel, <laughs> right? Like what's the most risky thing you could possibly do? But Picard has such hubris and believes that he can solve every single problem that's out there, that that's the way that he gets stuck in the past. And then we get um, people like, uh, Ra, uh, like Seven. She's emotionally stuck right now, right? She's having a hard time um, opening up, we see her kind of start to open up to Rafi a little bit more in this episode. So humanity being stuck in the past, you can even talk about like, think about humanity, what we're able to accomplish these days and what it would take to build a starship. Like, can you imagine the coordination on a planetary scale to build one starship? And here we live in a future in Star Trek where we can build all kinds of starships. And it's because we get out of short-term thinking. Short-term thinking is one way we get stuck as well as humanity if we could do more long-term thinking we might be able to accomplish more so i think it's a super complex thing that he says and there's all these layers and ways that people get stuck well i, uh, I look didn't... at the look at the look at the uh, the space station we've got orbiting our planet it took multiple nations to put that thing together yep and it's probably the best example of uh, international coordination, like outside of, you know, UN meetings <laughs> out there. And it's been going for so long, been out there forever. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I, I took that, I took that quote to mean something a little bit different for myself. And because Guinan's people were wiped out by the Borg, they came and wiped them all out. Well, not all of them, but we don't know when that happened, by the way. Like, we don't, we don't understand if that has not yet happened in the 21st century or it's already happened. I'm assuming it has not yet happened, but we don't know. Yeah, we oh, didn't kind of we, we say that it had already happened, this version of Guyan, because she, she was mentioning something about the Borg, I thought. I do not remember her saying that. Well, my, my point was we know, we know that Guyan has a, has a history with the Borg and how she feels about the Borg. 
We know or she that. might have a history with it. Or, yeah, either did, will, was, you know, whatever. We know it's there or will be there. And when Q says we're stuck in the past, I'm thinking about the first episode where the board queen shows up with humanity. And I'm thinking she's going to uh, assimilate the entire planet and wipe out humanity. And the only humanity that's going to be left is going to be stuck in the past because there won't be any future humanity because they're all bored. And Guinan Astral projected that message to Picard because it was so important because she knows what it feels like to have that happen or will know what it feels like to have it happen. Well, and that's the way, well, the way I took she, it. She read, I mean, it's very clear in the episode that she read Wells like a book and she figured him out right at the beginning, right? She asked him some very leading questions and he reveals quite a bit about himself. And I think she figured out that he had some kind of baggage that was related to being stuck in the past. That, and she didn't know that it was a memory or, or what exactly it was. But the reason she asked or projects that to Picard is that she realizes that that's the way that Picard can get to Wells. And I think that's also kind of an interesting layering of, of stuff there too, because to me, Picard actually manipulated Wells into becoming part of their team, but he also helped Wells along the way. And in other parts of this episode, we have Seven talking about how Rafi is a manipulator. And there's that whole story about Elnor and stuff. And so then you've got Rafi and Picard, who, of course, used to work together, right? And, and so you're, you're seeing complexities here where, like, one character's traits are bleeding into other characters' traits, and that those traits sometimes can lead people in, in weird directions. Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask Charles in particular about this next one. So, like, there's Vulcans on Earth in 2024, and the Vulcan we meet didn't look like Mistral from Carbon Creek, but I got the impression that maybe it could have been, or we got to remember this is the Q-verse, so I guess maybe he would look different because it was a different universe. I'm not sure. But to me, it felt like a Carbon Creek homage which we just talked about last Monday or two Mondays ago. But the fact that the, that the Vulcans are on earth in 2024 kind of changes things up a little bit. What did you think about that, Charles? Not 2024 because it's in Wells young past. It was when Young's was a boy. And one quote I've seen is they thought it might've been 70. I wondered if he was in carbon Creek, but, Comments I've seen, they weren't sure it's quite that long ago. It wasn't fifty. I bet it'd be the seventies. Like given how long, how old he is, probably the late seventies, middle eighties, somewhere around in there. Okay, so seventies, eighty, and the hint is okay. Are the Vulcans after nineteen after the issue in nineteen fifty still on our planet, monitoring to see what's happening to us? I think it may be very feasible that back in that era that they were still coming to our planet and researching what was going on in our planet. As we talked about in that show, we still had a Vulcan somewhere on our planet that we didn't know any detail about. So they may be still coming out there, keeping an eye on it, waiting for us to be ready for them to come to visit us. And I yeah, see it's I very feasible. 
And question came up was, well, why didn't the melt, mind meld work? And they very well, I think he, he might have been transported mm-hmm. or just attempted and didn't get, did, he was transported too quickly. Yep. Or just didn't succeed at what he was doing. And so that impression was still there. But, but I, I remember that correctly. Little snippet, I thought Vulcan. I thought all Vulcans. I thought mind melding was considered uh, of the stalagmite episode of Enterprise. I thought they said that mind melding was like like a a weird fringe type of thing that not every Vulcan was encouraged to do or could even do. Right? Or am I? Yeah, but that was. Not, but, but that was but a long. Fearing, but if you're fearing of your presence may cause somebody to believe in aliens, and then you want to try getting rid of that thought and hopefully protecting them from being fearing people from another planet, then I can see why they might have tried to do that. Let's try get let's try clearing this person's mind that he did not see us. Yeah, I mean, remember, Jim, yeah, what we... You see that what, quite a bit in Men, Men in Black. And I think there have been other shows that have done it where they said, okay, let's get rid of their memories of the past. Even TNG's done it. Let's try getting rid of their short-term memories so they can return them back in the past and forget what happened to them. Yeah, remember, right. Jim, that... Uh, that the what we learn in those episodes of Enterprise that you're talking about is that the a the Vulcan government is not infallible and actually bad people can become in control of it, and that the only reason that the stalagmites were um, still, uh, sorry Cyrenites now you got me saying it gosh darn it uh, the, the only reason that the Cyrenites <laughs> Um, I just wish he'd pronounce it properly once. <laughs> the only reason the Cyrenites were were fringe was because they were counter to the people who were running the government at the time. So it wasn't even that there was like a culture of it necessarily. It's that in that episode, we're presented with them as the weirdos because they got these bad Vulcans running the show. So I do think that mind melding has has always been part of Vulcan culture. So I don't I don't personally have a problem with them having access to mind melds back in the 21st century, which would, of course, be, um, you know, before Enterprise. Yeah, and I, I personally also believe that the during that time, it, there was that whole Romulan infiltration thing that was going on with the government of the Vulcans, and so probably the Romulans were interfering with a lot of their culture, and that probably got them thinking that this is not a good thing to do kind of thing. Yeah, and... They those maybe they were Romulans. Maybe they weren't Vulcans at all. No, they were they were Vulc. No, what we just was. I don't want to dig down into those episodes too much again. But I I just think that there's the the idea of a mind meld has always been part of Vulcan culture. And in Enterprise, it's 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 described as a uh, as a weird thing, uh, just because the people who are in charge think it's a weird think it's a weird thing you know so and i totally agree with charles i think that the the guy got transported before he was able to complete the mind meld i mean he had just barely touched the kid's face and 
hadn't even said my mind to your mind yet, and he's getting transported away. Here's a well, question. So. When did the Romulans separate from Vulcan? Was it the 2024 era? Um, oh, no, it was. No, it, it was, was thousands like... of years ago. It was it was okay. way back in the time of Sarek. Or, not Sarek, um, uh, Sarnak. Sar- Wait, I always get the names mixed up. The guy from <laughs> long ago. Sarek. Uh, uh, he was a stalagmite. Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember well, his I, name right I, I, the one the one part of this story that that seems to fly under the radar with everybody because the Borg Queen aspect is such a I'm really excited about is the augments and Corey and people don't seem to look at that but Corey yeah. gets the <laughs> the 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 I don't know the the cure from Q and walks away from Adam soon off into humanity somewhere as, a, as the first augment hmm. successful augment out in the world. She just, yeah, away. so we don't necessarily know that she's going to become a megalomaniac of any kind, but what we know is that soon absolutely is a megalomaniac. And when he is tempted by the board queen, and she talks about what kind of future he could have. He, his eyes light up with pleasure. And what I wrote down on my piece of paper here with a couple of big question marks was Emperor Adam Sung? <laughs> like, does the Confederation have a top seat? Uh, she said that he would be revered. You know, uh, you know Picard was the general uh, who conquered all these races and stuff. Is there an emperor or somebody above him in this alternate future? And is it Sung? That that's fascinating to me. Well, we did see his statue. Mm-hmm. So we, we know there's a statue. Yep. Is it a holographic statue or just a statue? It looked like a holographic uh, one. One of those ones out in the water there, that, but big and lit up and yeah, kind of lit yep. inside. So, so, you know, we have an augment wandering around amongst the humans, just walks away and, was out of the world. But she's like, uh, but she's not like really trouble. I mean, she's mad at her dad, but it's not like she's demonstrated any tendencies towards wanting to take over the world or anything like that, right? So they're gonna, if they wanted to head that direction, like in season three or something, they would. I would think that they would have to do a lot of work or introduce some other sort of thing into her character to drive her in that direction. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe for a second right now that Corey would actually start you know, a world war or anything like that. No, but she, but she is assumed and we do have assumed on strange new worlds. And it's, you know, it's uh, totally possible no, that she goes uh, out. We, have, and we don't have assume, we have a sing. <laughs> well, sing, soon, it's all the same thing. You know, you say sing, I say soon. Change the last name and inverted world war three. Yeah. No, not the same. The last mic. Yeah, stalagmites and all of it. You know, it's it's all the way you say it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, we strive and, for accuracy on this podcast, Jim. <laughs> and I, I did the, the one thing I did want to talk about though before we run out of time is it, it was David brought up. So David, do you actually think Hugh is dying, or is this another one of his games? Um, I actually think he is dying. Um, even though, yes, and uh, what was it? the Voyager episode where they were talking about how Q can't die or 
Um, even if they do die, like the entire Q continuum would go into chaos. So I think he is actually dying part of the story, um, mainly because, well, for one, the actor, you know, as we all get old, they have to retire sometime. So I'm, I'm assuming that he's probably going to end up just going ahead and say goodbye to that role. It's kind of like what Harrison Ford did. Um, but at the same time, it's not, I'm not saying that he's trying to kill off Q. I'm just saying like, you know, just to give him a good guy, kind of like what they did with Beta too. So I think he is actually dying and that they are going to probably kill him off to be honest. I really think that might happen. Because we know for a fact that he's going to be in three episodes next season because that's the contract he signed. So he's not going to die tonight or next week. We know that. He might die in the the next season, but not this season anyways. So he's (laughs) not dead yet. (laughs) He might, but he's not yet. He's still alive and kicking as far as we know. What do you think? What do you think? Eric, what do you think? Is is, is this – is, is it a ploy? Is it a game? Uh, you no, know, I, I I agree with David. I think that they're finally finally uh, doing a different type of Q story here. And honestly, his um, his little monologue there in this episode where he's talking about mortality and wanting to become mortal and all that kind of stuff that I thought was one of the absolute best parts of this episode. Uh, just really really strong acting there and and really calls back to all of those discussions, like I was saying, that we had last season about Picard and his mortality and Data and his mortality, right? Data recognized that the only way that he could really get the full value out of life was if that life eventually ended. And Picard learns that in season one about Data. He learns it about himself. Now Q's exploring that same um, that same idea that, you know, in order to really get the full value of life, he calls it the transition to the next thing, right. Um, That he has to have mortality. So I do think that not going to have him be a Q anymore. And if that means killing him off, um, I don't think they're afraid to do it, but, but they don't do it to kill him off. They do it to explore a broader story, which I think is, this is one of those, Picard is absolutely turning out to be one of those shows that I feel like, especially in season two here, is probably best viewed as a binge and not necessarily week to week um, because it just really hangs together better if you kind of see one episode after another instead of um, weeks in between. I think you start to see more of these patterns kind of develop. I think we're going to get done with this season and go back and want to rewatch it and then we'll be like, oh, yeah, they totally foreshadowed that in episode two or whatever. You know, we may even start liking some of those kind of rotten episodes, three, four, five, a little bit more. Who knows? I know I felt that way about season one. I went back and I was up at camp and it was raining and I just watched season one, boom, 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 boom. And it's so much different when you watch it that way than when you watch it week to week to week to week to week. So. We'll have to wait and see. Well, guys, let's talk about our scores. Let's start off with the birthday boy himself, our very own Charles. Scale of 1 to 10, what would you give the episode of Mercy, Charles? Well, you didn't let me comment on the last question, and I want to bring a reference. Voyager at Boy episode Death Wish from Season 2 was where one of the Q members wanted to 
and his wife. He was done with the with living and wanted to die. And what were the repercussions? I think that might be a great cadet review one day of going back and looking at that episode. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do it next week. About the Q continuum. We'll do it next week. Next Monday, we'll do Voice Death Wish. How does that sound? No, you already got uh, one scheduled next week. Well, and I'm going to be busy on Monday. We could do it the following Monday. We'll do it the following Monday. We got plenty right. of Mondays. Uh, I think I'm actually going to stand with the with the fans as this episode. I think it's getting better. This is it's tying up a lot better now, and I think we're getting more towards the direction of the finale, or at least a finish into season three. I think I'll go right about where the fans are and give it an eight. Eight, eight from Charles, our birthday boy. How about you, David? One to ten. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm up there to this round. Um, I'm, I'm gonna probably give this a score of um, eight point three. Eight point three from David. Eric, why don't you do Paul and you? <laughs> well, Paul and I often actually think similarly on these things because I think we appreciate a lot of the same uh, elements of Star Trek. And I will tell you that uh, last week's episode, Monsters, bounced back a little bit for me, but I still only rated it a seven because I just thought the ones pre- previous to that were so rotten. Um, this one, to me, just bumped it right up. Uh, Kristen Beyer on the writing team, um, excellent character exploration. Uh slow paced, but I'm okay with that as long as the story's good. So I'm going to be up there with David. I'm going to give this one an 8.5. And Paul gave it a 7, I believe. Uh, did, he, he uh, did he write it down our, somewhere? Oh, I don't, yeah, oh, I think in our chat? chat. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Paul gave it a 7. Okay. Yep. And I'm right there with you. I'm going, I got it an 8.5. I really enjoyed this one. And the Borg assimilation kind of thing was cool and uh i'm going with an 8.5 so that's you know we're still right around the fans they can i gave her 7.9 so we're right in there yeah oh yeah yeah here it is paul gave it a seven so yeah that is kind of surprising i thought he would give it a little bit uh higher score but that's that's cool man it's a good range uh you know between seven and eight point five are all very respectable scores Absolutely. And uh, Strange New Worlds, I'm psyched for that as well. Uh, we're going to be back on Monday. We're going to be doing our new our retro show, Cadet Training, where we talk about, you know, older episodes, not the new ones like we do on this podcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about Assignment Earth from Star Trek, the original series, Monday night at 730. So you want to tune in for that. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have our usual cast of characters for that. So check that out. Next week, we'll be talking about Hide and Seek, which is the episode of Picard, which is on right now. Well, it's on today. I have not watched it yet, but I'm going to as soon as we finish up this podcast because I'm really looking forward to it. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Thank you so much to uh, Mary Beth from the Janeway Collective for hanging out with us for a little while and talk about the Janeway statue. Thank you so much. 
And, of course, thank you to Paul, our wine guy, for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, Paul. And, of course, thank you so much to David uh, from Portland as well for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome. And, of course, thank you so much to Eric, another one of our Portland crew, for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you, guys. This is always a blast. One of the things I look forward to the most every week. Trek Talking Thursday. And I've, I've been making up some new men's, which I've been putting on our Facebook page every Thursday. I make up a new one. What do you think about the one I made up with Data and Tasha? Did you guys like that one? <laughs> that one was pretty funny. Uh, you definitely had to know that episode <laughs> to get it. Uh, but, yeah, pretty pretty darn funny. <laughs> yeah, I've got some other good Data ones, and too. Tasha so. are, are stepping out of a, an elevator together <laughs> and yeah. celebrating what day of the week it is. Yeah, it's great. I've got wait, so every Thursday you want to check out our Facebook page. I've got some good ones. And of course, our very own birthday boy himself, live from Las Vegas, our very own Subcommando Charles. So thank you so much, Charles, for hanging out with us and Trek talking tonight and spending your birthday with us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Trek talking is always great, isn't it? And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to you guys, please check out our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell it all out. Give us a like. Give us a follow so that you never, ever miss a podcast. And I want to say, please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.